0: If you've been with us over the past two weeks, you know that we are basically in a sermon series called uh, Becoming the Answer or Being the Answer to Our Own Prayers. And as I started the sermon series two weeks ago, I shared with you that um, over the past two years in particular, I have felt uh, kind of a great level of of despair over our public sphere, especially when we are having conversations with one another. Um, It seems as though every time you turn on the news, there's one more thing that would cause you to believe that the world is uh, knee-deep or neck deep in pain, Um, that the ways in which we talk to one another can be so fricative and so volatile that the the idea of public discourse uh, tends to be more anchored in shame than it is in honesty or in truthfulness, and that uh, as human beings, instead of us leaning into our best selves, oftentimes it's as though we take all of our energy to lean into our most broken selves, and when we lean into our most broken selves, we break other people. But there's been something about these past two years in particular that feels as though um, the narrative of hopelessness is somehow drowning out the narrative of hope. Even this past a couple of days, you might have seen the news story of our brother Samuel Oliver Bruno, uh, a gentleman who was finding sanctuary at City well Church, which is a, another United Methodist church here in Durham, and as he went to uh, the Immigration and Customs Service to do his uh, paperwork, was um, arrested, and realizing that I know him, I know his family, I know his pastor, I have sat in the, um, the, the hallowed halls where he was being offered sanctuary, and here he's just trying to do the thing that he's supposed to do, and it doesn't end favorably for him or for his family. And my first reaction is, Wanting to cry out to God, God, how long, O oh Lord? Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. And then there's that small little part of me that just wants to like totally just ignore it. Like, you know, like this world is just, it's, it's totally far gone. But this is the thing is that we cannot avoid the difficult things that are happening, not only uh, in our public sphere, we can't even ignore the things that are sometimes happening within ourselves. But we're also to be people who never lose hope. We're not to make our change of address form into uh, 111 Hopelessness Street. (laughs) Because this is um, the good news, friends. Even though we might be neck deep in pain and hurt in this world, we're also life deep in Jesus. And Jesus didn't come into the world just to save us. Jesus also came into this world to save us so that we might be used to make Jesus known. That means that in this neck-deep world of hurt and pain, when we make Jesus known, the fullness thereof of this one who says, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly, the life-giving, the life-saving force is unleashed in this world. The Savior of the world who comes to save us does a redemptive work in us so that we can be used by Jesus so that this life-saving, life-giving Force can be unleashed in this neck deep world filled with hurt and pain and brokenness and despair so that we might become the answer to the prayer God save us God save us and God says and I made you and I live and I dwell within you which means that when you allow me to work in you you become the life-saving, life-giving force that is made known in this world so that Jesus is known as the Lord of lords and the King of kings and is the one who truly reigns over this earth. So uh, over the past couple of weeks, as we've been talking about what it looks like to become the answer to the, our own prayers, what it looks like for us to live as though we are... Uh, we are um, what God is trying to do in this world. Oh God, we want peace. Oh God, we want grace. Oh God, we want salvation. That we live like peace and grace and salvation. But this morning what I want to like focus on um, is to take part of what Todd preached about last week about being imitators of God and us actually believing that when we are imitators of God, that other people might follow suit. And that if people begin to Uh, believe that we can be imitators of God and other people follow suit, that means you start to have lots of people who choose to be imitators of God, which means that when lots of people choose to be imitators of God, then lots of people live as though they are the life-giving, life-saving, redeemed, restored, made new people, unleashed in this world to be the answers to God's prayer made real in our lives. So I'm going to, again, read for us. Uh, We have anchored ourselves in um, the fourth chapter of Ephesians in the first couple of verses in the fifth chapter of Ephesians. And I want you to hear now these words that Paul writes to this church in Ephesus. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, to live a beautiful life, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then in verse 17, Paul begins to write what it actually looks like for us to be imitators of God. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live, basically those who have rejected Jesus in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, literally jumping into the pit of lust and reveling around in it and not saying any kind of sorries about that life. That's basically what Paul is trying to say. It's kind of like, yep, I said what I said and I did what I did and I don't feel bad about it. That's what it is to lose all sensitivity when you literally... um, You revel in something, and and you don't feel any level of remorse when your heart heart is that heart. But then Paul goes on to say this. That's not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. Basically, Paul is talking about discipleship. You have seen Jesus live a particular way, and it is not this kind of uh, life where you are totally deluded by your lust, but instead you want to live like Jesus, a gracious life, a loving life, a saved life. So you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God, and true righteousness and holiness. And then Paul begins to say, here are the practical ways that we live a life as though we have learned who Jesus is. So then putting away falsehood, let us all speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry but do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing, rather let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. And here's the kicker. Therefore be imitators of God as God's beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, will you pray with me? God, we praise you and we give you thanks that your word is good and that your word is true. God, we give you praise and thanks that this good word at this truthful word, it lives in us and makes more of us. So God, would you take the words out of my mouth and replace them with yours and yours alone so that the words that rest upon our ears and also the ears of our hearts would be your words, oh God, your words that transform and change us and woo us into a life that you have called us into, that we might be imitators of you. Let these not just be words that we speak. Let these not just be words that we believe. Let these be words that we live. By the power of your word and Holy Spirit. We ask all of this, O God, in the strong name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. As a United Methodist pastor in the North Carolina Annual Conference, which basically that's the judicatory or the area or the region that our church is a part of, I have this wonderful role of serving on what's called the Board of Ordained Ministry, which basically means that whenever someone wants to be a pastor or wants to be ordained as a deacon or an elder in the church, I get this wonderful opportunity of interviewing these individuals. I take them through the ringer, make them do jumping jacks and burpees in the name of the Lord. Actually, I'm the nice person on my committee. But one of the questions that I ask every single candidate that comes before our committee is this. If you were a contagion, what contagion would you be? I want you to hear this. If if basically, if you were a rash, if you were a, a virus, if you were a bacteria, if you were some airborne quality that was released into the air, what kind of contagion would you be? Would you uh, be the kind of contagion that your churches are overflowing with joy? Would you be the kind of contagion that your, your churches are overflowing with a generous spirit? Would you be the kind of a contagion that your, uh, your community is so invitational and so loving, or are you the kind of contagion that people are always popping off with one another? Are you the kind of contagion that people always live with a scarcity mindset? Are you the kind of contagion that creates a whole lot of anger and malice and fighting in your congregation? The reason I ask that question is uh, because I also sit on the executive committee of the North Carolina Annual Conference, which means that whenever my pastoral colleagues get themselves into a little bit of trouble, I get to sit there with this look like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm, you did what again on a Sunday? Mm. (laughs) Hmm, you put what on Facebook? Hmm. (laughs) Ultimately, whether that pastor knows it or not, and, ultimately, whether we recognize it or not. Our lives are like a virus. And depending on what kind of virus we are, we'll begin to determine what kind of uh, viral effect our lives have. If we are people who are joyful, we typically beget joy. If we are people who are generous, we typically beget generosity. If we are people who are loving and invitational, we typically beget invitation and hospitality. But for those of you who have been in counseling and you know how family dynamics have like a domino effect on our lives, that if we are filled with insecurities, oh boy, breed insecurities. If we're filled with a whole lot of backbiting, oh, we'll breed a whole lot of backbiting. If we're the kind of people who cannot forgive and we will hold on for a grudge for 25 years and feel good about that grudge, oh, it will beget a whole lot of grudge holding. Whether we like it or not, friends, you may not think of yourself as a virus. You might not think of yourself as a contagion. But friends, our lives have impact. And because our lives have impact, and I want you to hear this, don't take it lightly what kind of domino effect you might create. Adolf Hitler created a domino effect. Martin Luther King Jr. also created a particular domino effect. We should never, ever take it lightly what kind of domino effect our lives can have because sometimes our viral nature of life My little old five-foot life can be the difference between life and death, scarcity, generosity, hopelessness, hope, despair, or keeping our heads to the heavens of living in a pit or believing in salvation. Don't ever take it lightly that your life has a viral nature about it. And in this Christian tradition, The reason why we believe about our lives having a domino effect is because um, we believe in in this beautiful, this beautiful practice of imitation. For those of us who are Christians, we believe that ultimately the one who we imitate who had a viral effect on our lives is who? You all get a pony. Jesus. (laughs) That's right. This is the easiest question a pastor could ever lob at you. Just say Jesus. Jesus is the one who he ultimately says is the great contagion of our lives, the great virus of our lives. And because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us, it creates a domino effect because we want to imitate this one who has a viral effect. Mike Green, who is the writer of this beautiful book called Building a Discipling Culture, he says this, that people saw a life in Jesus that they wanted for themselves, and by their behavior, they seemed to believe in the life of Jesus. That the things that Jesus did and the outcomes that Jesus had, folks who believed that they could be um, the effect of Jesus' viral effect if they did what Jesus did, that they would also too see those same outcomes. So, for instance, in Luke chapter 11 which is a passage of scripture that I'm going to promise you about 99% of you know it. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus' disciples say to Jesus, Jesus, we see how John's disciples pray. But teach us not just how to pray, teach us to pray like you pray, Jesus. Because obviously, the disciples had seen that when Jesus reaches out to God the Father and opens up his mouth in prayer, or that when Jesus goes away to a hidden place to pray, the disciples see what Jesus actually is able to put into motion through his prayer life. So the disciples saying, "Mm, we like you as a virus, Jesus. We want to uh, be kind of infected by the thing that you do so that we can imitate your life. We want to pray like you pray because we believe that if we pray like you pray, we're going to get the outcomes that you have. And let me tell you how beautiful this viral effect that Jesus had on the disciples has on us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. That's all I needed. (laughs) Luke chapter 11, when the disciples say, Jesus, teach us to pray like you pray, Jesus teaches them this particular prayer. Now, do you know Peter? Do you know John? Do you know Andrew? Did you know Philip? Did you know Thomas, also the twin of Didymus? I don't know if you know him. But this is the thing. Their lives then had a viral effect that the prayer that they learned from Jesus is now a prayer that you at 110 Southeast Street are repeating with me. Don't take it lightly, the viral nature of your lives, friends. And this is what we believe that if we go viral in Jesus, that is never a bad thing. That's what Paul is trying to say in the fourth and fifth chapters of Ephesians. Friends, you learned Jesus. Jesus actually um, gave you access to His life. You got to eat with Him. You got to sit with Him. You got to be taught by Him. You got to walk with Him. You got to be um, in His presence. You saw Him as one who died. You saw Him as one who was raised. You learn. I mean, you got to be up close and personal, so you learn these viral, beautiful ways of Jesus, and you know the outcome. That can happen in this world if you just continue to be a contagion like Jesus. So Paul says in the first verse of um, Ephesians chapter 5, and whenever Paul puts a therefore, basically it's like, watch out. Therefore, friends, if you put away all falsehood, if you don't let uh, the sun go down on your anger, if you are those who forgive as Christ has forgiven you, therefore be imitators of God because Paul understood that in Christ Jesus we actually got to see who we could become. And so Paul is inviting us, we want I want you to imitate keep on imitating God. Now this is the thing that you need to know though about this passage is that when Jesus, oh excuse me, when Paul says to the church in Ephesus that they need to be imitators of God, your question should always be this. Well, what if you don't know who or what God is like? What if you aren't rocking with Jesus like that? What if you didn't get to sit and have meals with him? What if you, you weren't there when Jesus was healing others? What if you didn't have a up-close personal access to Jesus? That should always be your first. Well, therefore, be imitators of God. Well, Paul, everybody don't know God like that. But Paul, maybe, recognizing the reality of that question and the realness of that question, makes a very bold claim in Philippians and also in 1 Corinthians, where Paul says this, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now, if you don't know Paul, you might think, Now, come on, Paul. That's real arrogant of you to talk about be like me. That's like me walking through the mall and being like, friends, be like me. Just be like me. Not do you, do me. like be like me, friends. That sounds real arrogant. But you need to remember the qualifier. Imitate me as I am of Christ. Or imitate me as I imitate Christ. In the ways in which I'm like a virus of Jesus and the ways in which I mimic Jesus, and the ways in which I look like Jesus, and the ways in which I try to talk like Jesus, and the ways in which I try to eat like Jesus, and the ways in which I try to heal like Jesus, and the ways in which I try to build other people up like Jesus, and the very ways that I try to be news like Jesus, and the very ways that I open up my life so that people can see the saving grace of Jesus, I want you to imitate that. Basically what Paul is saying is that when I imitate Jesus, I give you something worth actually also imitating. Paul didn't say, imitate me as I am as in, in me. Or imitate me as I am a follower of John. Or imitate me because I am your pastor, Lisa. Imitate me as I also choose to imitate Christ. Paul is saying, I believe something in the viral nature of my life because the viral nature of my life has been affected and also confirmed and also determined, and also motivated by the ways in which Jesus lives, lived, and will continue to live on forevermore. Because this is what is so true, friends, of life right now, in the world that we live in, as we cry out to God, oh God, how long, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. I am so tired of putting names behind a hashtag and then saying, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. I am. If we do not choose to be imitators of Jesus and then also have enough in us of a belief of how good Jesus is and how Jesus can change this world in us and through us, Anything we say as people of faith will just be information. Do you hear me? Everything we talk about will just be information. I bet if you were to poll the average person today, you know what, this is going to be your homework assignment. I want you to poll someone today and say to them, have you ever heard that God is love? I am pretty sure that person will be like, even if they're not a person of faith, yeah, I've heard that God is love. There's one thing to hear that God is love. It's another for your life to be so overflowing with the goodness of God that people actually see and experience love. We talk all day long about how God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us and made us whole and made us new, but some of us are holding on to petty stuff, and then we want to talk Jesus, the great forgiver. But they be knowing how you be acting in these streets. We talk about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. But if you walk into your home and there is no peace and you're always stirring up stuff and you're always pushing people to the limit and you're always poking the bear, Prince of Peace just sounds like three words, Prince of Peace. Friends, all the things that we will say will be information Oh, Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a healer. But you don't want to sit down and have someone counsel you so that some of your wounds can be healed. There is this contagion named Jesus who has affected our lives and has affected our lives, that we might live lives that are so compelling that others might want to live like our lives are worth imitating. That's what our friends at Church on Morgan, their hashtag is to have a life worth imitating, friends. We actually believe that you are capable of having a life worth imitating. Some of you, the ways in which you bring joy into a room, I want to imitate that because it's like Jesus' joy, unspeakable joy. Some of you, the way you are able to love beyond those who are lovable. I want to love like that because I think it might just give me a glimpse of how Jesus loved me at my worst. Some of you who have seen that God is the great hound of heaven, and will not ever get tired running after us. When I see you running after that family member, that friend, that coworker who has no peace in your life, I begin to recognize this is what it looks like when God has legs running after me. You can say it all day long. But we're life deep in Jesus that we can live it all day long. And give people a sneak peek, a glimpse. Uh, up-close and personal view of what it actually looks like to see forgiveness, what it actually looks like to see salvation, what it actually looks like to see peace, what it actually looks like to see reconciliation, what it actually looks like to see love as opposed to anger or mouth, what it looks like to bless and not to curse. You can give it. And if you believe that you have a life worth imitating, you will not shrink, why? Because you'll be life deep in Jesus. Who shrinks when they're life deep in Jesus? When you have gone into the, the Waffle House of our Lord and you come out still smelling like Waffle House. Come on, friends. When you're life deep in it, that everywhere you go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. Not some ethereal far off God, but You, you, you get to be the joy, you get to be the peace, you get to be the grace, you get to be the forgiveness. You, you who believe in Jesus, this airborne one who puts breath in our lungs, breathe them deep, people, and get infected. I want to go to the great physician and for the great physician to say, ooh, you've got a bad case of Jesus. (laughs) Because they're in, friends. Oh, Lord, how long? Oh, Lord, how long? Oh, Lord, how long? Birth date. Fill in your birth date. Oh, Lord, how long? Fill in your birth date. January 20th, 1977, I was the one that the world was waiting for. I'm life deep in Jesus. It has nothing to do with my first, middle, or last name. It has nothing to do with my family of origin. It has to do with the fact that I have been baptized in Jesus. We're going to wrap this up. You know I always have questions for you. Our worship team can come on, uh, come back up. Would you want your life to go viral? The way in which you care for people, would you want that to go viral? The way you speak about people, would you want that to go viral? The way you think about yourself, would you want that to go viral? do you have a life worth imitating? Do you operate out of what it looks like to be neck deep in pain and despair? Neck deep in your insecurities? Neck deep in your anger? Neck deep in the wounds or the grief that has not healed? Or are you choosing slowly, slowly, day by day, breath by breath, Worship service by worship service. Missional community meeting by missional community meeting. To be life deep in Jesus. Are you living a life-giving life, basically the life that God handed to you, saying to us that the enemy only gives us a life where things are robbed or stolen or destroyed. Does your life look more like that? Whereas Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't talk to the enemy. But instead, I have come that you might have life, and life to the full. That's a viral life. A contagion that unleashes peace, and good news, and goodness, and salvation, and reconciliation, and forgiveness, not just here, but to the farthest ends of the earth. Let's get honest with each other. I would not be a loving pastor to you if all I could ever say to you is that God will meet you as you are. That's a beautiful thing and it's true. God will meet you where you are, God will meet you as you are. But if I don't also say that there is the reality that Jesus will not leave you there. You come in here angry? You've got to believe that Jesus can say, imitate me, be tenderhearted. You come in here just, I mean, hating some people. Literally not being able to listen to that person breathe without thinking, like literally thinking about all the ways in which harm could come to them. Well, when you come to the one who says, I was bruised for your iniquities, transgressions, I was flogged for your hard heart and for your unforgiveness and for your lack of grace unless it's being offered to you, but not to anybody else. Imitate me to come in and out. This is not a rest area. It's a place to come and to glimpse this compelling life of the Most High God and to say, "Mm, how did how did Jesus do that? Mm, okay. Let, let me see if I can, let me see if I can try to do that. Hmm. How did Jesus say that? Hmm. Let me see if I can open my mouth to, to say that. Who, who did Jesus invite? Boy, I need to change my invitation list. What is Jesus able to do? I see how Jesus is healing and moving and working. How this person is literally crawling for their healing. Maybe I can too. God will meet you where you are and then show you how you can be be imitators of God this world needs peace God please be peace this world needs healing please be healing this world needs forgiveness please be forgiveness this world needs people who can speak gently I am begging you be people who speak so beautifully that folks would never use this to be a weapon but a builder up of people and stations and postures. you have the capacity to be an imitator of God why would you not because when God creates and when God does anything it is always good. And it is said of this God God is good. Hard stop. Be like God. You pray with me. God, we are all sitting in that place of knowing where it is in our lives that we would never invite someone to have access to it. The way we talk about people, or the ways that we caricature or stereotype people, the lies that we have believed about ourselves, sometimes our lack of self-awareness, or how we lord things over others, but God, we don't want to submit ourselves to who you are and what you can do. How we need to always be right. How we're present to people we want to be present to, but we don't want to be present to others that you've called us to be present to. How we have a winner and a loser column for how we broker relationships that God, some of us love to bounce and to jump into the pit of iniquity. We love our victim story God, we are so consumed by our lusts or so distracted by the things that numb us that we have lost all sensitivity to your still small voice saying, be like me, because then you would be the answer. this world that is not like me. So God, we are ready to be transformed and to be changed. We are ready to keep our eyes open, to watch you, to keep our ears open, to listen to you, to keep our lives open, to be redeemed by you. So that we, oh God, when we walk out of this place, might say our holy, therefore, I am an imitator of God. Imitate me as I imitate you. You pray all of this in the strong name of your Son, Jesus. And God's people said, Amen.